Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for January 22, 2024. I'm Phil Adler. A sometimes overlooked financial report may give us insight about the timing of potential Federal Reserve interest rate cuts. Confluence Associate Market Strategist Thomas Walsh joins us today to explain. Thomas, we most often look at inflation and employment data for clues as to what the Fed will do next. Rate hikes are apparently on pause, but it's a mystery as to when the Fed might actually begin cutting rates. Is it fair to say that the economic data we most often seek presents a mixed picture? Yes. In fact, the December jobs report paints a potentially misleading picture of the labor market. While the headline number exceeded expectation, closer analysis reveals that most of the job gains were concentrated in sectors leisure and hospitality and healthcare and education, sectors known for their high turnover. Additionally, revisions to past data raised concerns about the underlying trend. At the same time, the unemployment data, also known as the household survey, shows that there has been a slight increase in the number of unemployed compared to the prior year, suggesting that workers are finding it relatively more difficult to find work. On the inflation front, while the last CPI report exceeded expectation, the rise was primarily driven by shelter costs, which have historically lagged behind other similar measures like the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller House Price Index. At the same time, good prices, on the other hand, have shown signs of slowing down, led by falling used car prices. If you exclude shelter, which has an upward bias, and used cars and trucks, which has a downward bias, underlying inflation is up 2.5% from the prior year, suggesting that the Fed is close to its target. Now, central bank officials have pushed back on the speculation of rate cuts in the month of March, but at the same time, they haven't entirely ruled them out. In your written report this week, you discuss how Fed Chairman Powell has given conflicting signals over whether he believes monetary policy is currently restrictive. What has he said exactly? In short, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell has made a notable shift in his recent comments about monetary policy. At the start of December, he cautioned against speculation that interest rates were already sufficiently restrictive, even dismissing talk of potential rate cuts as being premature. However, just two weeks later, without announcing any changes to policy, Powell described the current stance as being well into restrictive territory. This significant change in tone is the focus of this piece, which examines the potential reason behind Powell's attitude shift. Well, employment and inflation data that you've mentioned don't seem to present a compelling case to change Powell's mind. And you suggest that Powell might be keying on the secured overnight financing rate or the repo rate, which financial institutions used to price overnight loans for businesses and consumers. Maybe we need a brief reminder as to exactly how this system works. Okay. The repo market is a crucial source of short-term funding for financial institutions. They allow banks to borrow from each other by temporarily selling high-quality securities, usually treasuries, with an agreement to repurchase them later at a slightly higher price. The interest rate on these transactions, known as the secured overnight financing rate, serves as a benchmark for short-term borrowing costs in the financial system. This market plays a pivotal role in maintaining liquidity and stability throughout the financial system. Now, we know this secured overnight financing rate, as SOFR 
for short. And and how has SOFR behaved recently? While the market has been relatively calm lately, the closing months of 2023 were marked by intense volatility. Spikes in sulfur surpassed even those seen after the fall of Silicon Valley Bank, raising concerns about the repo market. So if the rate is high, that means banks are having a hard time securing funding? Yes. When sulfur rises above the federal funds rate, it signals a potential strain in the financial system. Banks may be finding it difficult to locate cheap funding for short-term loan banks may be facing difficulties finding cheap funding for short-term loans in traditional channels. This can lead to increased reliance on the Federal Reserve's standing repo facility, which is a safety net for banks looking for alternative sources of funding. And if the rate remains at high levels, does that have very serious implications then for the economy? When strains grip the wholesale funding market, the Federal Reserve often rushes in to prevent a full-blown panic. This intervention is critical because elevated sulfur rates. This intervention is critical because elevated sulfur rates can trigger a chain reaction that raises borrowing costs for the entire country and could potentially tip the country into recession. Now, Thomas, how has the Fed dealt with this issue before, say back in March when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed? The Federal Reserve typically tries to address economic downturns or financial instability using a a combination of temporary financial support measures known as backstops, and sometimes they try to adjust interest rates. Following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in March 2023, the Federal Reserve quickly established the Bank Term Funding Program, which is a backstop. This program aimed to stabilize the financial system by providing liquidity to banks facing potential deposit outflows. Under the program, financial institutions could borrow cash from the Fed by pledging discounted U.S. Treasury bonds value at par as collateral in exchange for loans at relatively cheap rates. Now that happened back in March. Why is that same practice a less viable solution this time around? While the temporary backstop proved crucial in shoring up liquidity amidst market turmoil last year, it came at the expense of the Fed's quantitative tightening efforts. This created a challenge for the central bank, balancing the needs to address immediate financial stability concerns with its long-term goal of balance sheet normalization. Recent comments by several Fed officials suggest growing reluctance to end quantitative tightening and extending the facility beyond its March 11th cutoff date, thus leaving policy rate as its only policy tool available. Well, here's the key question. Are are concerns about the repo market and government bond liquidity a compelling enough issue to convince the Fed to cut rates sooner rather than later? Analysts are currently debating whether the Fed should prioritize market stability or stay the course on quantitative tightening. This crucial discussion will likely dominate the upcoming FOMC meeting at the end of the month. There is a clear positive correlation between government bond liquidity and the recent rise in 10-year yields. However, speculation about a Fed pivot has eased financial condition, thus potentially lessening the urgency for the Fed to reduce rates as aggressively as the market expects. Thomas, I thought the Fed's objectives are twofold, price stability and full employment. How how does financial stability fit in? While the 1977 Federal Reserve Act mandates the central bank to prioritize maximum employment and price stability, the central bank's very existence 
hinges on its ability to prevent bank runs, which includes ensuring access to wholesale funding for financial institutions. Would a March rate cut likely give the stock market a further boost? Long-duration assets might see a short-term sentiment boost in response to this cut, assuming further potential rate reductions are down the line. However, the overall impact on the market could be muted as a significant portion of future rate cuts has already been priced in. More important to the market performance is the election, as it may offer some signs of policy changes in the upcoming few years, especially as Trump's tax cuts are set to expire. Thomas, one more question before we go. I was wondering about bank and financial stocks in particular. How are they positioned at the time of our recording? So financial stocks are down about 2% over the last week due to growth concerns arising from mixed earnings. The approaching debt wall, where a massive amount of corporate debt comes due for repayment, further amplifies these concerns as it raises the specter of potential defaults and loan losses. Thank you, Thomas. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Be aware that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice, and this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our audio engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.